why does God allow the devil to do what he does? Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Every Knee Shall Bow, your hopefully favorite evangelization podcast put out by the awesome uh, people at Ascension Press. We're so happy to be a part of Ascension Press. They do such great work, and we're so happy to uh, partner up with them for this podcast. Now, uh, normally I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Gomer Gormley, but he couldn't be here today, so it's just me. I think he's off uh, modeling in Europe or something like that, whatever he does in his in his uh, spare time. Uh, so today I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about... Um, about something that's really central to the Christian life and something that I'm very comfortable talking about. Um, and and something that you know every Christian should know a little bit about, and that's spiritual warfare. Now we've talked a lot about spiritual warfare on the podcast before and and uh, and we've answered some questions and things like that. but you know, a lot of what we do as Christians, right relate is fought against, fought against by an invisible enemy. And, and and many of us don't even understand that. Many many people in the church don't realize that we are at war. And so today I thought I'd just give you 10 really practical principles of, uh, of spiritual warfare. Now, these are just 10 principles that anyone can can apply to their own life and any anyone can get fruit from this uh, that you would understand, right, that, that we are at war, okay? And, and I want you to remember, right, that spiritual warfare, as I've said before, I'm sure on the podcast, is, is more than a metaphor for the spiritual life. It's more than a metaphor for the spiritual life, right? Uh, in scripture, we hear we hear Paul talk about running the race. Uh, we talk about shadow boxing. We talk about you, you can talk about climbing a mountain. You can talk about all these things as as a metaphor for the Christian life. But spiritual warfare is more than just a metaphor. It, it's a it's a reality, okay? And unfortunately, the church for many years, uh, especially in seminaries and universities, they started to de- deny the existence of the devil as a personal evil, right? As a as an angelic person who turned away from God and now uh, desires the spoil of our hearts and minds, you know, separated from the Lord. But very in, in a very real way, the devil is real, and his goal is to estrange us from God and that we would die in that state of being estranged from God. So I want to give you some important principles. These are 10 important principles of spiritual warfare uh, that I think will help everyone in their spiritual life. Number one, I'm going to just dive into it right here. Number one, by his passion and death, Christ won a definitive victory over Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And any personal victory we have is a participation in the victory Jesus won and gave to his church. And the reason why I put this as number one is because we have to remember that it's Christ's victory that we participate in. We will not have our own victory our victory comes through participating in Jesus Christ's victory and that that victory was given to his bride, the church, uh, as, as kind of a almost like a wedding present, right? That victory is given. Now, just because Jesus won definitively that battle on the cross, objectively, that battle has been won. That victory has been gained by Jesus Christ through the blood of the cross. But subjectively, that battle plays out in the hearts of each and every person in history. And so that's why we still have that battle raging in our own lives and in history today, because each and every one of us has to fight that subjectively. Number two, the devil and the fallen angels play a mysterious role in the drama of salvation. The battle that they wage against us is a test of God's elect. Of course, 
Uh, there's going to be times in your life when you're going to wonder, why does God allow the devil to do what he does? And I totally understand that. There have been many times that I felt that way as well. And you look at the evil in the world and you're going to wonder that. You're going to wonder, why Why does God allow this? But, but we have to realize that the, Satan and the fallen angels play a mysterious role. We don't know exactly exactly why or what God is is getting at, trying to uh, using uh, these fallen angels in in the test of our salvation, but we know that they play a role in this test. That their their presence, their temptation, uh, their fight back of our of our conversion is part of this test that that we call life. Right, we're all at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil plays some role in that. And uh, as I as I was thinking about yesterday on Memorial Day, all of us are going to be veterans in heaven. Every single one of us, because this test is for all mankind. The devil is attacking all mankind, and we are at war. Number three, while powerful, the devil is only a creature. And if we stay close to Jesus Christ and his church, we should not fear the actions of evil. I'm going to say it again. While powerful, the devil is only a creature. If we stay close to Jesus Christ and his church, we should not fear the actions of evil. People have asked me many times, what are the craziest things you've seen, you know, when you've assisted priests in their ministry of exorcism or deliverance? And I've seen some really unbelievable things, but more than anything, the most amazing thing, the thing you walk away from uh, these, these sessions, more than anything else, is the power, the incredible power of God. Because the two can't be measured, right? You can't measure the devil's power to God's power. It's just not possible, right? God's power is infinite. Uh, the devil is just a creature. He has absolutely no power, right? In, it pales in comparison to God, the creator, the un, unmoved mover, the uncaused cause, the creator of all, of all things. Every m- movement the devil makes must be allowed by God. And so we have to remember that while he is very powerful, he is only a creature. And if we stay close to Jesus and in his church, there we have nothing to fear with the devil. I often use this uh this analogy. Um, you know, on, on several different occasions in my life, I've I've had the chance to work on a, a or stay, work or stay on, on a sheep farm, okay? Uh, on three different occasions, because I used to go to this retreat center once a year that uh, was on a sheep farm. And there was this amazing thing that you used to see. You know, these sheep were so nervous and they were so afraid. But when the shepherd who raised these sheep would come into the midst of the flock, they would all just calm down, right? And they could even hear him coming and they knew the, the sound of the way he walked and the way he talked. And it was just this incredible moment where they would all just kind of calm down, right? And that's kind of the relationship we need to have, right? Of course, uh, if we have that kind of relationship with our shepherd, the good shepherd, if we know his voice, if we know his movements, if we if we have complete and total trust, we should never fear the devil. But if we don't have that kind of intimacy with Jesus, if we don't have that kind of intimacy with our shepherd, if we separate ourselves from the flock, then of course we should fear the devil. Because again, remember, as Jesus says, he has the power to both harm soul and body. Number four, the way we participate in the victory of Jesus Christ is through personal faith moral living, and prayer. Let me say it again. The way we participate in the victory of Jesus Christ is through personal faith, moral living, and prayer. This is important to understand, right? Because a lot of times we equate Satan and the talk of demons or anything like that with uh, the extraordinary parts of our faith, right? Exorcism and, and the things you see in the movies, right? But in all actuality, the most powerful thing a demon can do to you is tempt you. 
only in temptation can we cooperate with that temptation. He leads us away from God. And if he tempts us into a life of mortal sin and a life of unrepentant sin, we might die in that state of mortal sin and die estranged from God for all eternity, right? So it's really important that while, yeah, sure, there, there are such things as exorcisms and there are such things as extraordinary evil, the real battle takes place each and every day through our personal faith, through our moral living, and through our prayer. That is the battle that, that is waged, right? The devil would love it if we only focused on the, the extraordinary because then he could get our, our minds off of what where we really win that battle. But the way we participate in that victory of Jesus Christ is through a personal faith, through moral living, and prayer. Number five, the devil should not be given too much attention, but his actions should not be ignored, right? Uh, many of you have probably heard the old adage, right? There's a few mistakes you can make with the devil. You can think about, you can see him behind every corner, or you can just totally ignore that he even exists, right? And both of those are bad. We want to find some place right in the middle where we know that we have an enemy of our souls, but at the same time, we also know that he's not the one who controls the universe, right? God has us firmly in the grip of his hand. Number six, the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, St. Michael, and all the saints and angels are our great allies in this battle. And this is one of the neatest, coolest things about our faith, right? The communion of saints is what I'm talking about here. You know, I, people often ask, like, wh- why do the saints play such a role in in the defeat of evil, in in this, uh, you know, this relationship, this battle between, you know, God and the devil? And it's because God allows these saints to, to kind of trump over, you know, evil. It's amazing. Like, it's almost like if you've had a rival, right? If you had like a sports team in, in high school and and you had a rival team that would just beat you all the time, that's what the saints are to the demons, right? That these saints just triumphed over the action of evil. And so they play this awesome role, right? It also communicates the glory of God because oftentimes God will allow a soul who's experiencing him in full union in heaven, right? A saint is what I'm talking about, to come and intervene in the actions of Satan and it's, uh, it's God communicating his glory. Look what I can do through this creature, not just my own action, but w- look what I can do through this creature. Um, and this is particularly the case when it comes to our, our Blessed Mother Mary, right? Uh, in the Proto-Evangelion, when, when God uh, is pronouncing these different, you know, uh, these different sayings to Adam and Eve, and he, and, he, and he says that the woman, right, that her that her offspring will crush the head of the serpent, at that moment, Mary's role was guaranteed in every battle with Satan. And so she is such a wonderful, beautiful ally. And I have seen time and time again when Mary has claimed the victory over evil in so many cases. And so we must turn to the Blessed Virgin Mary in in, in our spiritual battles uh, because we will find a wealth, a wealth of strength and power in her. Angels as well, we have to remember that this battle, it didn't start before history, but it started outside of history, right? These The angels were fighting before, right? In the little T tradition of the church, Satan falls and, and St. Michael and the good angels war against Satan and the fallen angels and kick them out of heaven, right? The heavenly places. And so uh, this war is theirs from the beginning. And we kind of get a glimpse of that in, in the in the Bible a little bit, uh, especially, you know, in, in the book of Revelation and in, in a very real strange way in the book of Tobit where St. Raphael has this strange exorcism ritual that he uses, right? This battle was theirs uh, almost in a sense before it was ours, okay? So the angels can be great allies of ours. Principle number seven, 
Any spiritual warfare you conduct for others is first one in the battle for your own heart, okay? And this should just be pretty self-explanatory. What I mean is this, you know, we have to win the battle for our own heart if we want to go to battle, go to war for others, okay? I'm not saying you can't pray for other people if you're not a saint. I'm certainly not saying that at all. I'm just saying this, that fighting that battle in your own heart is the way you fight the kingdom of evil. Remember, we call it the kingdom of evil. It's not just some random demon attacking someone or something like that. It's a kingdom. And so when we fight the kingdom of evil in our own heart, we're necessarily weakening the kingdom of evil for everyone else. That's the way this works. And so what we want to make sure is that uh, before we, we are rushing off to battle for others, let's take a look at our own heart, the battlefield of our own heart. How much of it have we won? You know, are, are we feeling comfortable that we're winning that battle, that we're gaining daily victories? That's going to be a really important part of being able to help our, our brothers and sisters who are struggling in this. Number eight, humble submission to God and the church is a powerful weapon against evil. Humble submission to God and the church is a powerful weapon against evil. At one point, uh, I believe it was St. Anthony of the Desert, you know, he sees this, uh, has this vision of all of Satan's traps, and, and he asks, who can wander through these traps? Because it just seems insurmountable. And he hears the voice, the one with humility, right? Humble submission to God is the way we beat Satan, right? And remembering that Satan can do nothing without God's permission, and therefore we submit to whatever God's will is, and we submit humbly to the will of the church, okay? Uh, this means that if the church gives us rules and we disagree with them, uh, look, we might disagree with rules they have about, say, deliverance ministry or praying and spiritual warfare or something like that, but we must humbly submit because that's how Satan is beaten, by humility. Number nine, true holiness as witnessed in the lives of the saints is what destroys the kingdom of darkness, right? True holiness as witness in the lives of the saints is what destroys the kingdom of darkness. There's a story from uh, the life of St. John Vianney where uh, a, a demoniac, a, a poor, poor victim of, of, uh, of extraordinary demonic activity is uh, rolling around in his church and screaming. And uh, the little tiny cure of ours comes out of the confessional and blesses uh, this person. And, and the demoniac screams, if there were but three of him in the world, he would undo my entire kingdom. So this is the devil speaking through the mouth of this demoniac saying, if there were three John Bianis in the world, he would undo his entire kingdom. Now think about that for a minute. Think about that. If there were just three of them, this is kind of a sad thing to think about. Where are we? Where are the John Bianis? We only need three in a sense, right? And I think about this every day that it's through sanctity that we undo the kingdom of darkness. Okay. It, it, Saints are what defeat evil in history. Saints. And that's what we need to remember because that's where the real battle takes place is the battle for holiness. And number 10, and this is the last one I'll give you for today. The devil despises a sure knowledge of the sonship that comes from baptism, knowledge of the abundant mercy of God, authentic Christian community, and a clear knowledge of and courage to speak out about what is good and evil. Let me unwrap that real quick. The de Number one, the devil despises knowledge of the sonship that comes from baptism. I have found over years of working with people who have been extraordinarily attacked by the world of, of evil, the dark kingdom, that an understanding of their baptism is probably one of the most important parts of getting them free. Because usually what happens is the devil uh, tricks them into thinking that God does not love them anymore 
or that God has rejected their their uh, their adoption right into Him, or even that they made that decision to reject God's fatherhood, and that that's a possibility. But unfortunately, well, fortunately for us, we know that in baptism, what happens is a covenant, and in that covenant, God cannot. He cannot act differently. From that moment on, he has become, in a very real way, our father, right? He has adopted us as sons and daughters of God. And if we understand it that way, then we know, right, a father can't deny his children. It's not possible. Not a perfect father, a loving father like God in heaven. And so no matter what we've done, we can always go back. Satan hates this sure knowledge of the sonship, the daughterhood of baptism. He despises the knowledge of the abundant mercy of God, right? Satan cannot stand to hear about the great mercy of God because uh, in Satan's mind, right, if, he, if people know of God's great mercy, it is an immediate affront to what he's trying to build, right? Because what he's trying to do is get people to despair and to think that their sin is too great for God. But brothers and sisters, we know that's just not true, that there is no sin too great for God, that God's mercy is endless and it renews every day. And that's why we sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, because we know that no matter who you are, or what you've done in, in all of history, that your sin is not too great for God. And so Satan hates when people have a sure knowledge of that mercy of God. He also hates Christian community, authentic Christian community. And what I mean by authentic Christian community is this, that you live in a place and with other Christians who are calling you on. That if you have a problem, if you're doing something maybe you shouldn't be, if if they're worried about where you're going with your relationship with your Lord, that they're not afraid to bring that up to you. And they're not afraid to hear it for themselves. Because we are not alone in this battle. We're called to be a church. And that church should even extend into personal relationships where they are saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, we're, we're worried about what's going on in your life. Do you, you know, Can you talk to us about this? Satan hates that because what he wants to do is get you isolated alone and away from God and his church. And finally, a clear knowledge of and courage to speak out about what is good and evil. Uh, I, I can think of almost nothing more right now. You, you, If you spend five minutes on show, social media right now, you'll understand that Satan is desperately trying to destroy this idea that Christians are called to speak out about what is good and what is evil. He's trying to just totally tell us in our mind that we are not allowed to do that. You know, and he kind of hides it under this like sort of hippie love concept, right? This idea that, oh, you know, just, just, you're just supposed to love everyone. You're not supposed to judge anyone. Baloney. I hate to say it. Baloney. I'm calling baloney on that one. But the truth is, is we are called to judge. Of course, not judge souls for eternity. And we don't do that. But there's evil out there. Look around, open a newspaper for a minute. You're going to see the most evil things coming out right now. And it is our job to call them out and to respond and to have the courage to say, no, this is wrong, and it'll lead you away from God. So that last one, number 10, is kind of loaded, okay? I'm going to read it one more time. The devil despises a sure knowledge of the sonship that comes from baptism, knowledge of the abundant mercy of God, authentic Christian community, and a clear knowledge of and courage to speak out about what is good and what is evil. So those 10 principles, I think, are pretty good as, a, as kind, of a, kind of a foundation to become a spiritual warrior. Why are we talking about uh, spiritual warfare on an evangelization podcast? Well, because when we evangelize, that is the time that we do the most spiritual warfare, right? We are literally aggressively 
and determinately going after the kingdom of darkness and tearing down those walls to to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the love of Jesus Christ and the and the coming of a new kingdom, right? That necessarily dethrones Satan. That's what we do as evangelists, and so we also have to be spiritual warriors. Uh, I, I know that. Time and time again, uh, I have seen how evangelization helps spiritual warfare and spiritual warfare helps evangelization. They go one and one. They go in the tandem uh, together uh, because uh, there's always going to be pushback when we're trying to proclaim the gospel. And uh, and there's always going to be you know things holding people back when we're trying to do spiritual warfare. And that thing holding people back is usually uh, not yet uh, submitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's really important that we know understand both of those. I hope that those ten principles, uh, you know, help you in your life and your daily life. I think that they're pretty practical, applying it to our friends and families and our daily struggles in the faith. Um, so this is just a short episode this week about spiritual warfare. Uh, my my only one practical takeaway, you know, we always give you those practical takeaways is if you've never thought about yourself as a spiritual warrior, if you don't think about yourself as engaged in a battle. Uh, spend some time tomorrow thinking about the battle that's raging around you. I bet, I bet if you looked for just a moment, you'd see the way the devil is trying to affect your life and draw you away from the Lord. Just take a little bit of a look and, and ask yourself, how have I entered into this spiritual battle? Uh, next week we'll have Gomer back. Don't worry. He'll be back from his trip, uh, his modeling trip in, in Milan or Paris or wherever he is right now. And, uh, and we'll get back to our, our topic of specific practical evangelization tips, but I hope that this has helped you again. We're so excited to be part of Ascension press. Uh, and, and we want to build a community of evangelists around this podcast. So if you want to contact us with questions or concerns, please email us at every knee shall bow at ascensionpress.com or, or EKSB at ascensionpress.com. And if you haven't yet and you've been blessed by this podcast, uh, we'd ask that you bless us in return and give us a, a rating on iTunes or wherever you use to listen to this podcast. Uh, we always pray for you, and I hope you'll pray for us as well. God bless you, and thanks. Thanks.